You hear the news. Refugees are being sent to your country and your state. Hardly any time passes, and it happens. They are really here. They start appearing in the grocery store, lining up to enroll their children in school, and sitting in the doctor's waiting room with you. Your mind races. Is the vetting process enough to protect our citizens? What if they really are terrorists? What if they have illnesses your children or grandchildren can catch? What about the U.S. citizens that are in need or suffering? It is easy to panic. But what we really need to ask is, who are they anyway? They are people. They are people who've been displaced from countries in distress. They are mothers, fathers, widows, widowers, grandparents, and children. While we might carry concerns for what they're capable of, we need to stop and consider how they are feeling. Frightened, alone, bewildered, and sad. Thank you all for having me this morning. Um, I am the point person for Project Help, Project Help for Women's Missionary Union. Um, changes about every five years. We've been doing refugees for about a year. And they are topics that WMU chooses to focus on to bring light and a Christian response to. We finished post-traumatic stress disorder and have entered refugees. And I have been speaking around the state mostly about refugees. And it is not an easy topic. It is not a topic that most people agree on. So this morning, one of the things I want to do is just try to clarify some things. When we watch the news or if we read anything on the Internet, the terminology, the words used are confusing, and often they are wrong. So although I could speak on immigration for hours, I'm going to just talk about refugees. So refugees are legal. They have been granted legal protection if somebody comes to the United States as a refugee. That is a legal way to come. Those coming um, up from the southern border, I get this question a lot, so I'll bring it up. Um, from the southern border that are currently being held waiting would be labeled asylum seekers. They say that they are running from the same things, that if they go home, they will be killed, they will be harmed, but um, they have not been evaluated yet. Some of the confusion comes in that to be a refugee, which is legal, you have to illegally cross an international border. You cannot be a refugee if you have not crossed an international border. Refugee requires international aid, so you had to have crossed a border to, to apply for refugee status. So the video I showed, I think, does a fairly good job of trying to explain the different terminology. I did bring a handout today with the definitions also on it that is here in the front pew. The word refugee is new. It was created after World War II in response to the people who had had to flee the European countries during the war. So I'm going to start you all with a little quiz. I should have asked if you were a participatory church or not, but I'm going to quiz you anyway. I can think of eight or nine refugees in the Bible. Can you name them? 
Ruth is not a refugee. Ruth is an immigrant. She did not have to leave her home. She willingly chose to leave her home to go live with her mother-in-law. You could argue Naomi and her family were refugees as they left their country in search of food. And that's how their family met Ruth's family. But Ruth herself, an immigrant, not a refugee. Anybody else? Some of them are hard. David, yes, David was a refugee. He often had to flee for his life. The very first refugee is mentioned in Genesis 12. Abraham, yes, Abraham. And I will say that this is dealing with the current definition of refugee. They are working on changing it to include, I will call it, inhospitable land, famine, floods, um, things like that, where people are forced to move due to a a catastrophe. So Abraham left um, because of famine. He went to Egypt. The next, Genesis 16, Hagar, when Sarah kicked her and Ishmael out, she was forced to leave or be severely harmed. Um, Genesis 46 and 47, when Jacob and his family had to flee to Egypt, Egypt got all the refugees in the biblical times. Again, for famine. Exodus 2:15 and 16. All of the Hebrew people, after Moses freed them from slavery in Egypt, fled Egypt back and wandered for 40 years. Um, the verses this morning, I don't know, did we? Um, the scripture verses this morning, oh, thank you. Um, Leviticus 19:33 and 34. These verses were created after Moses freed the Israelites and were wandering the desert because. They realized they needed some rules for how to treat people when they ended up in other countries. King David, we mentioned. Elijah, 1 Kings 17, he spoke truth to the king. The king didn't feel too kindly about it. And Elijah was sent on his way. And lastly, um, Jesus was a refugee when his family fled to Egypt um, in fear of King Herod killing all the little boys. So, a refugee is someone who has been forced to flee his or her country because of persecution, war, or violence. They have to have a fear of persecution for reasons of race, religion, nationality, political opinion, even perceived political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. War and ethnic, tribal, and religious violence are the leading causes of refugees fleeing their countries today. Now, my husband keeps, he brings me library books regularly that he hears about and thinks I like to read because I read a lot. And one of the books he brought me had this definition for refugee. A refugee is someone who has already arrived somewhere, a foreign land but must wait for an indefinite time before actually fully having arrived. Refugees wait in detention centers, shelters, or camps, in federal custody, and under the gaze of armed officials. They wait in long lines for lunch. They wait for a bed to sleep in. They wait with their hands raised to ask if they can use the bathroom. They wait to be let out for a telephone call for someone to claim or pick them up. 
And then there are those who are lucky enough to finally be reunited with their families in a new home. But still they wait. They wait for the court's notice to appear, for a court ruling, for either deportation or asylum. They wait to know where they will end up living and under what conditions. They wait for visas, documents, and permission. They wait for instructions and then wait some more. They wait for their dignity to be restored. A refugee is someone who waits. Currently, a record 68.5 million people around the world have been forced to flee their homes. That is the highest number of refugees in the world since World War II. If refugees were their own country, it would be the fifth most populated one in the world. I'm going to break those numbers down just a little bit. So a person is forced to flee their home every two seconds. So by the time we are done worshiping today, 1,800 people will have been forced to leave their homes. One out of every 110 people in the world who is displaced, and over half of those are children. More than 100,000 of those are children traveling alone. Um, I give this speech regularly, and I'll do a, um, a little simulation usually at the end in a different setting. And at the last time I did it, the pastor said, I, I'm really struggling with empathy with this. Like, it's so big. And I was reminded of the saying, um, one person's death is a tragedy, millions is a statistic. It's really hard to wrap our, our head around millions of people having to leave home, especially in our country where that is not happening. The closest I could come up with for an example that we could relate to in recent memory was probably Hurricane Katrina. That didn't affect us in North Carolina to the extent that my husband's family is from Louisiana. And so Louisiana and Mississippi, where everybody was forced to flee their home, often ending up in Texas or other states, imagine those other states were other countries. They could not go home. Their home was literally underwater or had been washed away. So they were forced to go somewhere else. So that would have been, if it had been a different country, a refugee status. Once a person receives refugee status, they are likely to remain one for many years. Another quiz for you. Does anybody know the average time someone spends as a refugee? Twenty years. Um, their life really is in limbo. Millions of refugees live in camps. A refugee camp is intended as temporary accommodation. They are constructed while crises unfold for people fleeing for their lives. These hastily built shelters provide immediate protection and safety. Camps allow organizations to deliver life-saving aid like food and water and medical attention. Refugee camps are practical during emergencies. But when you're living in one for 20 years, it's no longer an emergency situation. It's become your life. The new challenges when they do have people that are basically living their lives in these camps are to try to deliver electricity, ensuring that children have access to education, 
and then helping refugees prepare for a life after camp. That's jobs, training, English, or language skills, depending on where they're going. Camps are no longer simply rows of tents. They are communities filled with people preparing for different future. The vast majority of refugees do not go to wealthy countries. That's because the countries wracked by civil war and violence are pretty far from wealthy countries in Europe and the West here, the United States and Canada. Refugees who flee their countries with nothing don't have the resources or connections to get to a rich country. So I'm going to use a term that I really hate. They generally settle in the first relatively stable country that they get to. That is a um, legal definition. That when people flee, they have to apply for asylum in the first relatively stable country that they get to. I would personally think anybody's definition of relatively stable would vary quite a bit. Um, I think they should be a little clearer. But they, the first relatively stable the country that they get to is where they tend to start applying for asylum. Turkey and Lebanon have taken in millions. And they would be considered second world countries. The result then is that poor and middle income countries are the ones being forced to feed and clothe them. International aid has not kept up with the need. Resettlement is what happens when a refugee is sent somewhere else. They leave the camps and are sent to somewhere else, usually a different country or a different city. Resettlement to a country like the United States is a life-saving alternative for a very small number of refugees. Less than one-half of one percent end up in the United States or a country like the United States. So out of that 68.5 million, less than half a percent end up in a place like the United States. I have another handout that I have up here that shows the steps you have to go through to be considered for the U.S. Once you're granted refugee status and the U.N. decides okay, we'll assign you to the United States. Then the United States steps in, and it's a two-year process that they go through before the United States says, yes, you may come in. And it includes interviews after interviews. They interview you, and they interview anybody you've ever talked to in your life. They do biometric screenings. They do medical exams. I mean, and at any point... There's a flag or anything, or you answer a question differently than you've answered it before, the process stops. <clears throat> Let's see. So they do have to wait, and they live in the Nugget Campers. Sorry, I lost my place. I went off script. <laughs> That's what happens. I should never go off script. <clears throat> So two, three things that um, I get asked about often is, what about the money we spend on bringing refugees here? The United States gives them a no-interest travel loan, which just pays for their airfare, basically, to get here. And then they have three and a half years to pay it back. So they are required to pay back anything that um, the government paid to bring them here. And it goes back into, like, a refugee kind of fund. Um, I mentioned it in passing, but I do want to say refugees do not get to choose where they are resettled. We hear that a lot. I heard it a lot, especially when I first started speaking, that um, 
well, what if they pretend to be a refugee just to get here to harm us? Well, that would be one of the worst plans you could make because you're going to live in a refugee camp for 20 years and then you don't get to choose where you end up. So I come up with a better plan. So refugees do not get to choose where they go. I don't know when that changed. I know they used to be offered a choice in the 70s after the Vietnam War. I do not know exactly when that changed, but no longer are they given any choices. Also, um, I've heard people say, well, they could bring diseases from their own country. They have to go undergo any medical exams, and if they are sick with anything, they are turned down. They also have to be fully vaccinated before they're allowed to enter the country. So they're probably better vaccinated than a lot of the people you're running into in stores and your schools. So I have now overwhelmed you with a lot of things about refugees. So what is the biblical response? The word causes arguments, stirs feelings of hopelessness, and makes people uncomfortable. The plight of refugees is not simple, and discussing it can be volatile. The church can feel trapped in this conflict, and many avoid the topic altogether. David Platt, um, former president of the International Mission Board, said much of our response to the refugee crisis seems to come from a foundation of fear, not faith. As Christ followers, we have to set aside our fears. We have to trust God to help us overcome our fears and accept the foreigner among us. Fear is an emotion. Trust is an act of faith. As church leaders, we have a responsibility to help people think biblically about this crisis. On the back of the handout with definitions is a list of Bible verses. There are more than 50 in the Bible that talk about immigration or how to treat the foreigner. Refugees were once people like you and me, with friends, family, homes, careers, and dreams. We should reach out to help them recover some of what has been lost and to add a relationship with Jesus if he has never been a part of their lives. The Southern Baptist um, Ethics Committee president wrote a letter to the president saying, Your policy on refugees is hurting our missionaries. It hurts our relationships that they have with the people in the countries they're ministering to. It hurts their relationships with the governments of the countries in which they're ministering. People don't want to hear about a God whose people seem to hate them. So we need to remember that policy is much bigger than just us. And is it a just, is it a biblical policy is one of the things we should be asking. Um, Refugees aren't always refugees forever. If things resolve at home, they can go home. Sometimes they do stay permanently in the countries that they're resettled in, um, but some often they'll go home if given the opportunity. So let us pray. Today, Lord, we bring you the forgotten people who were TV headlines just a month or two ago, who are still suffering, still fleeing for their lives, still dying for lack of medical provision, still seeing their world crumbling into dust beneath tired feet, but whose flight has been downgraded to make room for more recent violence. Lord, we bring to you this fragile world, its precious people, its suffering people, its forgotten people, all made beautifully in your image and still crying out for help. 
Help us to remember how we felt during this time today and what we have learned. Help us take that into our churches and communities as we minister to others. Help us show your love to all we meet, as we will never meet the eyes of someone you don't love. Amen.